welcome to the Sexy Aging Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Minoknuku, and my goal is to bring you into conversations where we discuss what it means to be in midlife in today's age. We will be educated by experts in the health and wellness industries and inspired by incredible humans who have discovered their purpose and run with it. To ensure you don't miss out on future episodes, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. In fact, do that right now. Hit that button and let's get on with the show. A woman after my own heart with a purpose to redefine aging, Faith Agugu is a trained psychotherapist with a bachelor degree in social science. Faith has helped hundreds of women at her Sydney-based practice, The Healing Process, to experience their third age as a renaissance of self and rebirth. Faith, a former model from the catwalks and fashion industry in London, explores what ageing can mean across different cultures and hosts an event to empower midlife women. Silver Sirens is a yearly event bringing together women from around the world to inspire and discuss the challenges and opportunities that exist with age. Check out the show notes to find more about the event Silver Sirens. And welcoming to the podcast Sexy Aging today, I'm honoured to have as my guest Faith Agugu, the founder of Silver Sirens, Redefining Aging. I absolutely love those. I almost love those words, redefining aging, as much as I like sexy aging. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Hey, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I've had a little dive into what you are putting out there into the world for women. You offer a virtual global event to redefine a brave new world. I mean, you caught me with that one. Um, You're formerly a catwalk model. Uh, we can see that. So if anyone's watching the YouTube channel, um, she's fabulous. She, you look amazing. Um, originally from London and now living in Sydney. So I'd really love to hear about that story. And you've spent 25 years in the fashion industry. So I love fashion. I have uh, some of my favorite friends back in Malaysia also working in the fashion industry. And they just fabulous women they embrace their femininity they embrace where they're at with that stage of their life and if anything some of them are absolutely killing it in their 50s and beyond when it comes to the fashion industry so I think it's a it's a real honor to women in midlife Um, and fashion isn't just for the youthful so I'm going to switch me down and open up the floor to hear your story Faith because you are quite an inspirational woman so how did you come to be in Australia? Maybe you want to start back with your uh, your London times. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. I listened to a few of your podcasts before reaching out to you as I was doing some research. Now, I Googled best podcast for women in midlife and yours was one of the top ones. So I want to say I feel really proud to be here and to be, you know, to be answering your questions and meeting your, your audience. <laughs> Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I answer your question. So I started, um, I actually started life in Nigeria. So I was born in Nigeria, which is the West Coast of Africa. And then I got went, moved to the UK at the age of nine. And from the age of 16, I started, I was started working as a model. So I was kind of a classic sort of situation where I was discovered on the streets of Brixton, which is a really, really beautiful neighborhood. 
And um, I started modeling for a group of designers. And then I, I did that for quite a while from the age of 16 to 25. I fell in love with an Australian man around the age of 23. And he said to me, I love London, but I don't think I can do another London winter. Please come to Australia for six months just so we can spend summer in Australia. I promise you we're coming back. Oh, that's what it's they all say. Words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 30 Kiwi, years later. Kiwis are like that too, right? So uh, we're, we're called as a collective Antipodians or Antipodians. Yeah. <laughs> There's two yeah. ways of saying it. And at, in our early 20s, we have this... Uh, Massive desire to put a backpack on and go out there into the yeah. world and go as far away from yeah. our own country as possible. <laughs> and so you will find a lot of Kiwis and Aussies in London. <laughs> yes. As, as you did. <laughs> yes, as I did. So, yeah. um, and I believed him when he said, let's just go for six months. So I came over here and luckily some of the people I'd worked with in the fashion industry, some of my friends I'd lost touch with, there were Australians and they were back here and they all worked, they worked in the fashion industry and I was walking down Oxford Street one day, um, like a week into arriving in Australia, and one of them came running out of a store and grabbed went, oh my God, Faith, what are you doing in Australia? And gave me a job. And I was like, do you want a job? So then started my career in the fashion industry in Australia and that was, yeah, over 30 years. I know you said um, 25, but it's actually over 30 years because I, even though I stopped doing my business, I taught in a fashion college for quite a long time and that and I finished doing that a few years ago yeah. yeah okay oh wow that's quite a long time in the fashion industry what notices sorry what changes have you noticed most from when you started through the decades what what as you're working in the fashion industry and I think when you're younger you are really caught up in the aesthetics of it you know the look and everything and probably the lifestyle what no, what changes did you notice as an individual moving through the ranks and through the years in the fashion yeah. industry because I as, as I say as I moved through the rank I changed you know so there's a few different things and I, I teaching at the fashion college one of the things I used to say to everyone is the fashion industry has got quite a bad reputation you know like we're quite just we're supposed to be quite fickle very shallow and what I found is the people that were most inspiring that did the best they weren't like that. They weren't shallow. They weren't fickle, fickle. They weren't bitchy. You know, they were just normal women who were hardworking and who showed up, you know. So, and, and I found that too with models. A lot of people said, oh, models are, you know, not reliable, fickle. And I didn't find that. So I always found that the people that I loved in that industry were very, very grounded and very, very down to earth. And over the years, I changed. So through my years in the fashion industry, I changed. You know, I, I had the notion that I had to be a particular person to be successful in the fashion industry. And I just embarked on a journey, a spiritual journey. So I started meditating. I started, um, I started going on retreats. And, and I went really, really deep in my spiritual practice. But I felt really embarrassed that people in the fashion industry would think that I'm a bit of a geek. And then people in the <laughs> meditation world would think that I'm, fickle because I work in the fashion industry and I just have yeah you've got those two worlds colliding right yeah, yeah that's crazy. absolutely colliding so I, I really I struggled with that for a long time and I kept the worlds very different and then god about 15 years ago I created a blog called Guru Wears Gucci because I went I was in Byron Bay and I thought how can I bring these two worlds together and it's called Guru Wears Gucci and I thought that's it and I wrote a blog for a while it's not around anymore um, it is my Instagram, personal Instagram account, but um, anyway, that got hacked. That's a long story. But I, I found a way. 
I found a way of bringing the two worlds together. So um, yeah, so Guru Vajrachi encompassed both of them. I think what I learned was it was okay for me to be myself and it was actually vital. It was imperative that I was myself in whatever role I did, you know, and that to me, I felt much more comfortable in the fashion industry once I did that. Yes. Oh, that's so good. I mean, yeah, that you, you, I can hear this story that you're so comfortable with who you are today. Yes. And then like any of us, it's a real journey. Um, yes. Another really interesting thing that's, that's happened for you is that when you left the, the fashion industry, you went on to study again. So how did you get to that point where you felt like, you know, my brain wants to do something else? Yeah, look, I wish it was because my brain wants to do something else. You know, what happened for me was that I had my version of the midlife crisis, you know, and I put it in quotes because what I've come to know as a psychotherapist is it's not a midlife crisis. It's actually a midlife transition. And it feels like a crisis because as a society, we don't really talk about that stage. So I was going through my midlife transition and I had to sell, um, well, I had to close a business, a fashion business called Raw Fashion Agency that I'd had for 14 years. I went to, I got to a stage where the GFC happened, business was really struggling. And I realized that I had to get out, you know. Yeah. So I closed the business and I, and it plummeted me into really deep depression because I was, I'm a woman, I don't have children. So I was, you know, for me, my business was everything, you know. So when I lost that business, I really started to question who I am. And I had the classic midlife crisis trend. Um, existential crisis of who am I you know what am I without that um, without that role as a CEO having having lots of staff etc who was I so you know I spent six months swimming in the women's pool every morning licking my wounds like very very much felt very sorry for myself licking my wounds and then decided that you know this was a wonderful opportunity for me to rethink and redirect my life and I'd always you know for quite a while I'd um, I was seeing clients in, as an energetic healer and I thought, yeah. well, why not, why not continue that and just get some more qualifications to back that practice up? So I went to uni and studied um, uh, a degree in social science and majored in counselling and psychotherapy. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Uh, I'm so proud of you. I mean, I think that to also share your story about the, the big thing that collapsed, right? Yeah. The big thing in your life that collapsed and... I can really relate to that. I also had something like that happen. I was, uh, I had, I was part of a big business internationally that had built up yes. a company in Asia and um, in a minute it was gone and I had no choice and no options. And it completely had me questioning who am I if I'm not this? Yes. And I placed so much emphasis yes. on my role. My identity. Yeah. Like, and it, and it, it absolutely floored me. And I mean, there were a whole lot of logistics that made it even more difficult yes. other than my own personal ego. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like the fact that I was living in a country that was relying on me to be working with this company to stay and I had a family and everything, but it all worked out. But that for quite a while I really struggled with yeah. um, but I am this and I do this yes um yeah. and it and I think it's the realization for women generally that they are not alone and they're not the first ones to have this happen yeah. everyone actually everyone has this happen and yes. it's not really a crisis it's just no. a moment it's a pivot right it's a moment yeah. where you yeah. get to now decide what happens next, next. 
Yes. And I think that's really important because you it's probably the first time that we actually consciously decide what's going to happen next. You know, quite often our 20s and 30s, it's very career orientated and we kind of follow a particular pattern because yeah. of the next opportunity. And I know for me, it was like the next opportunity happened and I just took it. The next opportunity happened and I took it. And I think it's the first time that we stopped to kind of intentionally consider who am I now? And what do I want to do for the rest of my life? You know, how do I want to express myself and be in the world? It's such a, an important and exciting time, you know, if yeah. we the right support. Yeah. Yeah. So now you support others. So you are focusing on helping midlifers. And I'm not talking specifically to women. I, I'm, a, I'm kind of assuming that it's mostly women, but I oh, won't women. assume. <laughs> but you're women. <laughs> Two male clients and about 40 women, female clients. <laughs> wow, that, that is so cool. So what is the process? Well, I mean, I don't even know where to start with my question. So um, I, I guess that someone comes to you, um, they are in a heap, um, confused. There's probably a lot of stuff going on. When we talk yeah. about midlife, we're also associating hormonal changes to the body that affect the mind. So what, what are you most commonly seeing? Yeah. You know, all the things that you, you said, you know, I think, um, I mean, no one goes to see a psychotherapist if they're happy, if their life is working. You know, and I always say to my clients, like, you know, this is one space that you don't have to pretend to be anything other than where you are, because nobody comes to see me if their life is working. So yeah. let's just take it for granted that things are not going the way you want, you know. Yeah. So most women, probably like what happened to me and what happened to you, there's a major incident that happens that upturns their life. And then from that point, they start having this full on existential crisis, you know, which is, and so what we've got to remember with your pillars as well, you know, bringing in your three pillars, they've got something going on physically in their body. They've got, you know, they've got physical changes going on. They've got mental changes going on. You now the hormones are affecting their mind and spiritually they've got this change going on because now they're evaluating their life and what do they want to do moving forward. So, this is probably a very unique time in our life that we're at this point where all of these things are, you know, are, are all and playing out at the same time. And if, you know, like most people, you may have also children that are just about to leave home or they've left yeah. home. You may have aging parents that you suddenly you're responsible for. So it's a culmination of so many different factors. And it's probably the only time in our lives that we're going to be in that place that so many things are going on at the same time. So that's why it probably feels like a crisis, you know? So women usually come to me at that time. They're usually quite confused. You know, they're just kind of like, something doesn't feel right. And I feel like I'm, I'm doing everything wrong, you know? And I feel like, everything's falling apart and nothing's making sense anymore and yeah. the decisions I made in my 20s and 30s they no longer seem viable you know and who yeah. I was then I've changed now like but I don't know who I am I don't know who I'm becoming so they're really at that point where they're just asking a lot of questions you know and usually they come at that stage and, and they haven't talked to their friends about it or their partners about it They've just tried to keep soldiering on and then suddenly they got to a point where they can't go any further. And I know you want to say something, so I want to let you go for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking that women are coming to you and you're a professional and they're having these conversations and they open up, right? Yes. Because you know that if you're going to put yourself and sit on that, that couch, couch and talk to that professional, that yeah. you're actually going to be honest. Yeah. So what I find kind of sad is that we can't have this level of conversation with another woman. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's not happening 
because I believe that we are getting some shift in that now. Yeah. But um, the fact that you know we we just feel disempowered yeah. that we can not open up, not be vulnerable enough to say, yeah. you know, I'm not feeling it, or yeah. I just don't feel that I'm in the right place today. Yeah. I've had quite a few really cool conversations recently, actually, about how menopause affects women in the workplace. Mm. And it's devastating, you yeah. know, because there are women that are right at the top yeah. of the executive C-suite. They're in the, in the boardroom and then they're falling apart because yeah. their symptoms are affecting them to the point where they can't think straight, yeah. they can't present, they can't put a board report mm. together, and then they start doubting their yeah. own ability. And yeah. it's not, it's a moment. Yeah. But that actually, it's not just the boardroom, it's it's the bedroom, it's the uh, over dinner with a girlfriend when you can't remember so-and-so's name and, <laughs> you know, and then you just can't express yourself. I think it's a, it's something that we really need to open up to be a normal, normal conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think what's, you know, what you've hit the nail on the head, it's quite sad that they've got those friendships. But I think what happens is that we're all trying to, you know, with social media, especially, you know, we're all kind of, you know we're so invested in looking like a particular way and you know editing our lives and we think that there's a particular way that's normal to be and if we're not that we feel a lot of shame and then we bury that shame you know so one of the things I love about when women come together we we're authentic and we're vulnerable is everyone goes oh my god I feel the same way there's such a relief you know it's a relief yeah the relief yeah. you know, I'm not yeah. the only one it's like no you're not the only one and I feel really really passionate about showing my vulnerability you know like with my community with anyone with my even with my clients I'm very quick to say hey I was there too hey I fell apart too hey that happened to me too I think it's so important so women don't feel like they're alone or there's something wrong with them yeah you know? I know all these moments and these challenges we can use it to connect yes with others you know so that they yeah, they feel yeah. supported. Yeah. Um, what is the role of Silver Siren? So I want to hear about this. I want to hear about this resource, and it sounds really amazing. So let's go. Yay. Silver Sirens is funny. I've got three pro- babe, um, projects that I work on, and Silver Sirens is one. So I feel like I have three children. And Silver yeah. Sirens for me is like the sexy, naughty kid. You know, it's like the one that's super cute and naughty. And it gets all the attention. So my other, my business, my, the healing process is like my sensible business. Like that business does really well, all the rest of it. It's just a sensible one. And Silver Sirens is like the cheeky one. And it's a, it's a, a found, it's a group that I've started after working in my practice, you know, um, right at the beginning of my practice, I got sent one woman initially, it was one woman who was going through a midlife crisis and just randomly a mutual friend sent her to me. And then I saw that she was going through this thing called midlife crisis, even though I had mine, mine wasn't about aging. You know, mine was about my life falling apart, but this woman was frightened about aging and she'd internalized all this negative narrative the spewed at women around aging, Western women, I have to say, because it's not yeah. the same in every culture. I want and to I talk did, about that, but yeah. keep going. Yeah. yeah, and so I had this woman come to me and we did some work and she was quite fascinated to hear that I didn't have the same views around aging. And then she sent me a friend and then she, and another friend. So one said I had eight women in my practice. All of them kind of knew each other. We were doing the same work. And yeah. then I realised that <coughs> this is an epidemic there's so many women that have this we've got to do something about it so I started researching and there was this quote that I always use that distinguished the way that the western world look at women and aging of men and it said the quote said men age like fine wine women age like cheese 
I was disgusted, you know, and everything I, I know, <laughs> and everything I saw was a similar narrative where men are sexy, sexy um, silver foxes and women are hags. And I just thought this doesn't sound right. So I started doing some research and I decided that I needed to start a community that really spoke, spoke against or pushed back against that narrative and gave women space to embrace the agents process. You know, that's how it started. Yeah. I mm. absolutely love that. I think we are parallel tangent, you know, we're, we're, we're heading in the same direction. We're both trying to do the same thing, yeah. um, which has yeah. helped women embrace this amazing time of their life. And for me, it's about you, you're not dead yet, honey. You're still sexy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, yeah. And even more so, I think they're even more sexier because there's nothing more sexy than the woman who can inhabit her skin fully. There's yes. nothing more sexy than that. You see, yeah. and I see women who do it and they, they've got their silver hair and you can just see the way they sit in their body and it's so yeah. sexy. I'm yeah. so drawn to it. I love it. Yeah. Hey, this is really cool because uh, I, I seem to be, I seem to have had quite a few guests recently. We're all thinking the same thing, embracing yeah. our sexiness and, yeah. and the way we are, the way we look, the way we feel. This yeah. is a good thing. Yeah. And you do notice it when you put yourself out there in the world now. Yeah. When you walk down the street or whatever yeah. you just feel good yeah. you know you and there's no and there's no ego with it it's no. it's no. like that doesn't exist anymore no. it's like this is it you know <laughs> I have been through the ringer yeah. and this yeah. is me today yeah. and this is all that I am and if you just yeah. stop and have five minute conversation with me it will be amazing and we'll have yeah. you know yeah. a, a beautiful connection so yeah, I really, I think it's the coolest thing about aging, don't you think? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, and, you know, it's, and it's interesting, you know, like because I was a model all of my life, you know, I never, I never once had to diet or exercise, and then when I hit forty-seven, suddenly I started to get really thick in the middle, and I was like, "What's going on?" You know, <laughs> my friend went, uh, "You have to start exercising." So I started exercising the, the, again. Your pillars, and yeah. you know, for me. I just love, and my body is nowhere near it was when I was a model. I mean, I still love, it's still beautiful and I love it. I love it even more, but it's soft now. It's soft yeah. in the middle. And I really love it. And I look at myself in the mirror and I go, you're 56 and you look like that. You look hot, you know, and I love having those sort of dialogue conversations. Yeah, I'm just having a moment. You're like 56. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hot. <laughs> you're you. gorgeous. Um, you. I do want to talk about you brought it up, the differences between the Western culture and how we view aging, because I'll put myself into that category, and other cultures and other countries. Like, yeah, can you share with me your views on that and what you know, because you've obviously researched it. Yeah, and also I've researched it, but I've also lived it, you know, like I yeah. said, for me, you know, what I was so shocked when I was dealing with those women was, you know, I knew, I worked in the fashion industry and I knew that people talked about age, but I thought that was just models or that was just a fashion industry. I didn't realize it was like so epidemic. So for me, you know, when I, when I started to get those women, I just realized how fortunate, I realized that I was really in a place of privilege around this stuff because there was nothing to unpack. There was nothing to dismantle, you know, because yeah. my, mother, my mother, I saw my mother in her fifties blossom. You know, we were all doing our own thing and she went and studied, she went and traveled. Her and my father broke up. She got new lovers and she was just out and about. You yeah. know? And then I saw my sisters. My sisters are quite a few years older than me, like 10 and 15, 20 years. And I saw them blossom that time too. So, And also from a cultural perspective, 
from in our culture, the oldest person in the room is the is the best person. Everyone defers to them. They get the best of everything. Yeah. yeah. That's what I grew up with. So it was really quite of a shock when I went, oh my God, this is not just individual women that have these ideas. This is actually a societal thing. So then exploring and just seeing that that Western construct, which I think is very much tied to capitalism, which is women's values about their worth, about their productivity, you know, their productive years, you're no longer productive, you're no longer fertile, you're no longer useful, therefore let's put you in the heap. And that's, it's so ingrained, you know, and it's yeah. in so many of the narratives and there's so many things that tell a woman, you have to get anti-aging thing. I just cringe at the anti-aging. I love oh. the idea that there's stuff there, but I cringe at that. You know, it's a word I won't use here. Yeah it's, yeah, it's the dirtiest word of my podcast. Yeah. Like you cannot no, use. No. I mean, so people contact me to go, "Hey, I'd love to be on sexy aging," and um, so I've got this sort of anti-aging product or whatever. I'm like, "Hell no!" No, no, I agree with you. I will not buy into that anti-aging because then it's just reinforcing that aging is bad. Aging yeah. is natural, and yeah. there's so much. You know, I love that idea. I wrote this down because I just wanted to remember it. I was just doing some research, and that idea of that um, pattern recognition, the accumulated experiences that we've got because of all the mistakes we make. So we have that pattern recognition, which means that whatever we do now, we've had so much experience that we don't have to start from the beginning. We kind of know where it's going to go, so we can pattern recognition and we can shortcut things. That is priceless. Nothing. I would never give that up for all the useful face, you know, ever. I would never yeah. give that up. That wisdom, yeah. you know, that self-confidence. There's so much beautiful thing. But I know that women have to, Western women have to address and challenge that internalized racism, but racism, ageism. Ageism, yeah. And yeah. they dismantle it. They have to dismantle. When I work with women, that's why I help them to dismantle it. So first we recognize whose beliefs are those. Are they really yours? And we dismantle it. And then when they dismantle it, then they can access all of the gems of this age. You know, all of this gem is waiting for them. I love it. I love it so much. I'm actually just going to quote a gem that's yeah. yours. Okay. You said, as I age, the need to be part of something bigger than myself increases. Yeah. yeah. That is so beautiful. Yeah. So I would, I would categorize that as your purpose. Yeah. or your why and so here we are sitting here today having this discussion because you have found your purpose yeah. and you know that you know when you found your purpose because you start to want to gift people time yeah. and yeah. knowledge and experience and love and open up a vulnerable space yeah. and that's exactly what you're doing so when you wake up every day and you do that thing every day yeah. isn't yeah. life amazing Oh my God, it just energizes you. It absolutely energizes you. That's why I don't worry about aging. I don't worry about deterioration because when I'm living in purpose, I'm constantly being energized, you know? Such a beautiful feeling. Like I get out of bed, I wake up at five o'clock every morning. Nothing stands in my way. I can't wait to jump out of bed and I just go straight down to the ocean, have a swim, go to the gym, come back, meditate. That is such a gift. It's such a gift. I think we, yeah, we're definitely living parallel lives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you you inspire a lot of other women, obviously, and it's it is your work, it's your calling, it's what you do every day. Who inspires you? You know, oh, I love this um, this um, question. I was thinking about it, and it's my mum. Yeah, and I was <laughs> my mum this morning. It's so funny. I was speaking to her this morning. She lives in the UK. Yeah, and on my way to the gym, like I speak, and I like I leave to go to the gym by quarter past five, so it's it's six p.m. at night. She's usually having her dinner. 
It's every Tuesday, that's our little ritual. And I call her and we talk and she can hear the birds around. She talks about the birds. She inspires me, she's 85. And you know, for many, many years, she and I didn't have a good relationship because there was some abandonment stuff that happened when I was young. And for many, many years, I was so resentful at her. And I saw this woman really struggled. Like she went through the stuff, my father wasn't the most loving man she went through so much stuff but she always had this thing that she was always there for her children but she was always there for us no matter what and all these other people always went to her for advice but I never would because I was too proud because I was going to be resentful at her and it was like <laughs> you know when I started to really do my work healing work in my late it was actually from my early 40s that I realized that I had the most phenomenal role model there was actually my mother. She was a role model for so many other women, but I could claim her as my mother and how lucky I was. And our relationship changed, you know? So mm. I go to her with everything and I look at her. She's the one that I look at to go, how do I want to be in the world? You know, she's 85 now and her body's a bit creaky. She goes, look, Faith, you know, my life has been so great up until now, until 80, you know? And she's the one that says, you know, like really look after your body, take care of yourself. Don't say yes to everyone. It's okay to say no. You know, so she's my my hero, my shiro. And I was speaking to her tonight. She knows the silver sirens is coming up. And she knows that I put so much into it. She's just saying, making sure, make sure you have balance, Faith. Make sure you have balance, you know. She's yeah. definitely, she's it. She's it. <laughs> awesome. That's so beautiful. You, you've just dropped so many amazing nuggets in today's interview. I just want to wrap up our discussion and, and give you a chance to tell us about silver sirens and the next event that you've got coming up. Yeah, yeah. So the Silver Sirens redefining aging. The next event is the fourth of December. I'm not sure when it's going to go to air, so I'm not sure if people will get. But we do an event every year because of COVID last year. We did the event online. It was a Sydney-based event, but because of last year, we did it online. Since then, now moving forward, all our events will be hybrid. So it is based in Sydney. Um, but we're also going to be doing it. It's also going to be live stream online as well. So this year, our topics are this year. Um, aging in the workplace and menopause in the workplace is one of the topics we're covering. Right. So aging in the workplace, aging across culture. And we've got three women, one from Indian culture, one Muslim woman, and one from African culture talking about the different perspective on aging. And then we've got aging in the public eye. So we've got Tracy Spicer, who's a famous Australian, and Tara Moss, who's an activist and also a famous Australian. So those two are speaking in a section called aging in the public eye. And then my favorite section is um, our elders, our treasures. Because I think, you know, there's an African proverb that says that when an, when an old person die, um, a library burns down, dies with them. You know, so yeah. I always create space yeah. for us to give, give the, you know, give space for the elders to share their wisdom with us. So we've got this wonderful section where we've got two elders with two um, Gen, Gen Ys have an in conversation and the Gen Ys are asking them just basically about their, their, you know, some of their experiences and their wisdom. They're mining them for their wisdom. It's not Gen Ys actually, because they're in their twenties. So anyway, whichever age, whichever generations in their twenties, they're the ones that's asking this conversation. So a really diverse um, conversations will be going on throughout the day. So super exciting. Yeah. It sounds amazing. So I'll try to get that out before the event because I'm pretty sure that this episode will come out before then so that people can connect with you your amazing cause and 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 tune in to these great conversations that definitely need to be had I hope one day we meet okay yeah we're not too, we're not too far away no 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 we're not we're not if you're ever coming to Sydney, please let yeah. me know okay we're going to make it happen I I often do but not right now <laughs>
Yeah. yeah. Hey, so good to chat with you. Thank you again, Say. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sexy Aging. Every episode leaves me feeling more educated and inspired. If there is a topic that you would like to hear about or a person you believe would make a great guest for Sexy Aging, then drop me an email, tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at sexyaging.com or direct message to the Sexy Aging Instagram or Facebook accounts.